This episode is supported by Seelip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails, but now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. Whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grow 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account at Seedlip underscore N-A. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTreat10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. These are available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and ThisFamilyTreat10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 126. No and there. What do you mean? You said I'm the, the intro... Yeah. And then you didn't say and. What's your what's the intro again? I forgot. Now. And I'm and I'm so glad that you could join us for happy yeah. hour. You didn't say and there. Feeling it out, Shane. It's okay. been a long one. All right. We'll talk <laughs> about that later, but continue. Uh we have a great episode tonight. As per usual, we have Jamie Scrimger. And when I announced that, I actually I had fan mail coming in because people love Jamie. She's the host of the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast, and we talk about what it is to be a stepmom, what it is to have a blended family, how you can set boundaries as a stepmom, how you can make sure that you're still making time for yourself and deal with the stress that, you know, comes with that because it's a huge convoluted nuanced situation. And Jamie was so kind to just let me totally pick her brain. So really loved it. And I hope that you enjoy it. Did it make you want to be a stepmom? <laughs> that would be me leaving you and being with somebody else, Shane. You could we could have a polyamorous t- sort of thing. Am I am I the type of polyamorous person? Would you want to be in a polyamorous relationship with me? You would hate that. You would hate your life. I'd make sure of it. Okay. Well, when you pitch it like that, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd what, be the worst. What do we have in our hands here? It looks so what is, what color is this? It's cloudy or something. What is All this? All right, baby. We got a non-alcoholic pineapple jalapeno margarita. Ooh. Because we were drinking margaritas on the weekend with alcohol. So I thought tonight, good for a non-alcoholic one. So cheers. Yeah. And that jalapeno is going to have a little bit of a bite. But these are uh, seed lip cocktails. Here. Mocktails. Mm. Oh, yeah, this is what we needed because right. we had planned to have a super healthy week. Monday killed it. We were like eating carrots, low calorie meals. <laughs> Tuesday, just being the best, we're throwing in a Peloton workout, eating little gluten free burritos. Wednesday, terrible. Back on the back on the off the wagon or on the wagon, whatever it is, folks. We we got seventy dollars of Taco Bell for the two of us and ate every last crumb. A bottle of wine. But then we had a. We said we were just going to contain it to the bottle of wine. Then we had a drink after that. You wanted even another one. I, I said, know. "Hold the horses." Thank we're God trying <laughs> to be good. Air quotes. Thursday, I have to go out with my friends because it's a, a Raptors game, and I hadn't seen the you know the buddies in a while. 
Friday, we go to My Pie, the best pizza place in Hamilton. Oh, guys, it was the, so One of the good. best bars in Hamilton. We did like a bar crawl, ate the parm fries, the pizza. Nothing's wrong with any of this in an isolated incident, but this was our week we were trying to rein it in. Saturday, party, birthday cake. It's my mom's birthday. It's a party. Sunday, celebrate your birthday yet again. And I know that annoys you. <laughs> Because your parents were away for your actual birthday. My birthday was 20 days ago. My parents were away. Then Shane and I had COVID. Then we were all just busy. So this was my family birthday. This isn't the cliche birthday where you're just extending it that people like to pin on women all the time. Right. But you have to also appreciate the fact that your parents did throw the birthday. Oh, I loved it. It was a great time. And we had another great meal that night. We got Indian from uh, Segar Matha in Hamilton, which is phenomenal Indian food. Yes. And I had a glass of wine. But now this is my healthy time. I need, (laughs) I don't need, I want to be ripped for my 40th birthday and for the comedy sketch show. Shane's 40th is a year away. Yeah, I don't necessarily think being ripped is funny, but I want to be distractingly ripped. I don't want you to be distractingly ripped. Okay. I'm not into that. Well, this is about me right now. <laughs> Do what you want. Yeah. And I'll love you no matter what. But uh, And I want to say, you know, our first week, you know, we made a really good healthy meal yesterday and made a great one tonight. And I want to say that, Shane, this is one of my favorite phases. Like Shane and I go through all these phases, right, where we do this religiously and then we do another thing religiously or we get into one show or one game. And right now, because we're doing good food, we're cooking meals tonight every night together after we put the kids to bed. And it's one of my favorite things. And it's kind of always what I pictured in my head and idyllic marriage to look like and it's so impossible for that to even happen but so many things have kind of fallen in favor like you're working at home the majority of the week and you know the kids go to bed at a nice enough time where we can actually spend time making a dinner together after they're in bed and you are so good like you took on the dinner tonight the pork and started everything washing all the vegetables you made the glaze for the pork you got that whole thing going while I was still putting the kids to bed but it, it is so fun for me. And I was curious if you feel the same. Okay. Condensed question. I feel the same about... Do you feel like idyllic? cooking together is a romantic thing? Yeah, it's fun. It's a good mm. activity. It's something that's fun to do with you. I like when you're more the captain. I'm not as good as you. But the instructions are easy to follow. I am a terrible cook. I am terrible at following instructions. <laughs> so true testament to good food for making them so easy that even I could do it. Mm-hmm. And this is not an ad, by the way. It's just like, it's been good. It's not what? It's not an ad. I don't want this oh. to sound like an ad. No. Imagine this <laughs> Imagine this was we slipped in a promo code right now. <laughs> Wouldn't that seem a little sneaky? It would. Anyway. But you know, it's, it's so fun. Honestly, Shane, I, I think it's like romantic in a way that we haven't really done. Like we've never spent time cooking together. Yeah. I and mean, you know, I try to uh, add a little sex to it. <laughs> What's that mean? Sexiness. I go with them, my apron and I'm shirtless. And I think you should start doing that. Yeah. No, I don't do that. I should need to wear an apron, actually. You do. We've ruined a couple good shirts. Yes. But Shane, we've got some topics tonight. So you and I are each going to ask each other a few questions like we used to do on date nights. Wait, I can't open with... You asked me if I had some questions. Oh, no. Well, they're questions for each other, I thought. I thought we were doing three questions for each other. Well, this might be a long opening then. All right. Let's hear it. What do you got? Well, end of an era is happening. 
What? This is a very nostalgic, weird thing for me. I'm going to work oh. after over two year hiatus. Tomorrow's my day one back at work. Mind you, it's a truncated schedule, so two days a week instead of five. But this is it. I'm breaking that seal. And for some reason today, just waves and waves of nostalgic emotions came over me, memories about our last two years together. All Every good moment we've had, all the battles we fought, won and lost, arguments, <laughs> joyous moments, everything just came at me. I'm just thinking, look, you're tearing up. You're, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ready. For no, you you're to full go on crying. Work. Oh, I thought you were denying tears. Okay. No, um, I'm not ready for you to go back to work. I'm, I would try to gloss over it and not get into it because I didn't want to think about it because when I think about it, I get really anxious and I get sad because I was telling you earlier tonight, even that, you know, there has been, even though our life has been bubbleized like we've been living in our home not doing much at all outside of the home although you and i have been doing a ton um and we got covid yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's it's been two weeks idyllic in a way in that we've both it, we've had a really nice time being around each other for the last couple of years and it's like it just it made me feel so secure and so good i always felt love and I always just, I love walking around the house and seeing you on a business call and like hitting your butt while you walk by and carrying on our own business and doing your own thing. I'm hitting my own butt or you're no, hitting No, I'm my... hitting your butt. Okay. You're hitting my butt. I thought you said I'm walking on a, <laughs> on a business call and I'm hitting my butt. I worded it okay. badly, I guess. But, you know, the butt hitting, I'm going to miss it. And it's bringing tears to my eyes. But just the vibe of... And honestly, Shane, not even the vibe, but having you home as opposed to you during the first year of Lucy's life, which we've talked about on the podcast before, where you were only seeing her on weekends because you would be gone to catch your bus before she woke up and you would come home after she was already asleep. So for me, I'm like, hey, with two kids, it's going to be kind of hellish if you, you know, after I'm working all day too, and then come home and do all the stuff alone with the kids and bedtime that's tough and then also like I just feel bad for you if you can't see the girls all week and I feel bad for the girls and I'm so glad that you're only going back part-time like two days a week but it it is it's nostalgic and it makes me sad because I like I like what is going on right now well the quarantine period which was obviously very long but it was very good to me because as we all know, I have self-diagnosed myself via TikTok that I have ADHD right. after this long, and a lot of people have. Your mm -hmm. friend Diary of an Honest Mom did that Libby. also. And I found TikTok totally explained what is, I won't say wrong with me, but what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. And being on a regimented schedule every day with no other social obligations for that first five month period where you actually couldn't do anything legally it, it made me feel great yeah and now having this strange life of still ha being here the majority of the week but leaving it does throw me out of orbit a little bit and makes me nervous and uncomfortable so 
you know, human beings are amazing at adjusting to anything. Yeah. But I, I'm a little scared. See, I, I think you're going to love it, Shane. Like, I think, it, especially going twice a week, because when I started going back to work after Matt leave and after, you know, we were allowed to go back in as teachers, it was really great being able to go in for me because then I'd actually have time like even on my lunch break to do work for a podcast or for something else and I'd have time to myself without the kids to get those things done and it was really nice and I mean you're downtown Toronto so you'll be able and it's the weather is getting nice too so you'll be able to walk around Queen Street and like on your lunch hour and I I just think that it'll be nice um although I am over the niceness of it and maybe that'll happen for you too I don't know but I'm just like I know I'm not losing you but I'm very sad to be losing you for those, you know, two days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Seems less dramatic <laughs> when you add in the two days a week. You're not losing me. What was your favorite memory over the last, that era, I'm going to call it, which was the two years of COVID? This is called dead air, so I'll just fill it up a little bit here. Well, there's a couple things. I liked when at the very beginning... When we were just trying to find our bearings, like get our bearings and because I was pregnant, you know, eight months pregnant, seven months pregnant with Betty and Lucy is a year and a half, two years old. And I was working full time and you were working full time. And we're like, okay, how are we going to do this from home? And I loved the energy of that time because you and I would take Lucy and we'd do these walks every single morning of the week right because we're home we don't have to commute we don't have to get ready for work yeah i'd make you a waffle every morning (laughs) you'd make me a waffle you'd make coffee with that coconut whip yes and we'd go for these amazing walks every day and we live in a really beautiful (laughs) (laughs) so sad (laughs) and we'd go for these beautiful walks every day and then we'd come home and it would be like a flurry of energy and like scheduling things and you'd be like yelling at me to schedule things. The yelling is something. Not yelling, <laughs> but like that frantic Shane energy to uh, make sure that I was staying organized. And you really did help me with organization a lot in that time. And uh, just going about those days and then we'd lay on the couch at the end of the night and you'd kind of take care of me because, you know, I couldn't walk around much. Because I was so pregnant. So by the end of the day, I'd be like wiped. And all of those days were so fun and so nice. And that was a phase. You know, we've talked about phases. That was a phase that even though it was super stressful, it, it was it was so fun. And especially looking at it in retrospect, it was a yeah. blast. Like a weird, awesome, fun, lovey time. Yeah, it was good. I looked forward to that waffle every day. I thought I was going to do that <laughs> waffle schedule. Every day of my life. So we'd eat one ego. I'd melt butter, pour the melted butter over it. <laughs> wait, put- wait, wait. You got to specify. You wouldn't just pour the melted butter over it. You would make sure that the melted butter went in every single square of the ego. Yes, that was important. And same with the syrup and the coconut whip, coconut cream, which we don't have eat anymore, but that stuff's amazing. We I think ego is really the only thing you can eat it with, though. That- no, you used to put on my oatmeal um, when yeah. I was breastfeeding. Oh, yeah, yeah. And another good moment, a high for this podcast, was Jillian Harris sharing our promo and you gaining like 3,000 followers in a day or something. Well, because she said it was the most fun podcast she's ever been on. And hey, I believe her. Yeah, that was a good moment. That's when we started thinking this podcast could really be something. And then we 
had Perez Hilton and Simon <laughs> Rex and, and Pauly Shore. Like it's it's just been such a fun working journey and a fun getting to know you better journey, which is weird because we're married mm-hmm. and we should know each other really well. But I hadn't seen how you work and how you operate. And I hadn't been around you that long, like days on end, 24-7. I get to see how you literally do everything. And it's kind of cool in a way if it wasn't COVID. And obviously, (laughs) there's the death and all this stuff going on. But if we're containing it just to us, it was a cool, fascinating thing to be around each other Mm -hmm. for that long of a period of time. So I want to ask you, what was your favorite moment in that time, like what you asked me. the When we went to Drake, I was t- talking about mm. this to you, and we had our first beer on a patio. You still had to wear kind of masks on the patio if you weren't drinking. And we were just looking out at the beautiful, it's a lake, but it looks like an ocean, at the Drake Devonshire in- uh, Prince Edward County. Prince Edward County. And the one beer, since it was a pint, we hadn't drank all that much. It just got us that perfect buzz level and we're looking out and it it just felt like hope and like things were going to open up again. Mm-hmm. Mind you, this was a year and <laughs> a year ago, but it, at that time it felt like yeah. things were about to open up and it was a good moment. And we still had another year to still wow. chill in the house. And We've had some great staycations too because we haven't been leaving the house, leaving the country. And, you know, thinking about that time at the Drake, we've even had amazing times in Niagara. We yeah, had we, we vacation fell in, there. We fell in love with another place, which yeah. was the Pillar and Post. You got it. And that pool is amazing, hanging out for <laughs> seven hours in that overly heated pool. Shane, we did 10 hours the one day. 10. Yeah. And not talking to anyone. Watching people be social. <laughs> And then just, I don't know, people watching. We're like the weirdos in the corner of the pool who just never got out except to pee, never got out. And we were ordering drinks and food to the pool side and just eating dinner there. Yeah. The only time we were social was when the one Trump supporter guy floated over. Yes. And he was, he thought I was a Trump supporter, as many people do. And then he started getting into it. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm a liberal person. And then he floated back and wouldn't talk to me for the rest of the trip. No, it was funny. No, we've had, we've had amazing times. It is weird. There is such a nostalgia for this period. And I am like, whatever, I, I got to come to terms with the fact that we're going to go through a slightly more difficult phase. It's like, you know, leveling up in life like you do on a video game. It's like the next level slightly harder. They throw something in monkey wrench to make it more difficult. And I'm I'm grateful that it's only two days a week that you have to commute. And I, I really hope that it doesn't go back to five days. I really hope it doesn't. It feels we'll like see. it would have to eventually, but it might be. Uh... But is, is the workforce going that way? I mean, companies are moving down to four day work weeks and more companies are saying work from home as an incentive to go work for them. It's about optics for a lot of companies. They like to see asses in seats. And I don't know, they, they're renting out that office space anyway. And for it to be vacant, it, maybe it feels like they're burning money. But I that's, don't know. that's like old school companies, any new startups. I think a lot of them will be happy to have people working remotely. Place like Shopify, they yeah. they put all this money into having this awesome workspace with like ping pong tables and give everyone free lunches and breakfasts and an open fridge filled with Red Bulls and all that crap. 
they just abandon office culture the second COVID hit pretty much. And now it's everyone's working from home. Well, a listener of this podcast, super sweet woman, her and her husband are in the process of moving to Canada. They're hanging out in Calgary right now and they just took a trip to Toronto, Niagara, because they're checking out what city they want to move in. They have a year to oh, kind of come to settle. Hamilton. I've been telling them that. I've been saying that. It's so good. And uh, they drove through Hamilton and seemed to like it, but they didn't give it a good look. But even No, it's her, not a good drive through city. No. <laughs> yeah. But even her, her and her husband work in tech. And so they can literally live anywhere in the world and still work for their company because they work totally remotely, both of them. So that's why it's kind of cool. Like they have their pick of any city in Canada. And I hope she comes here because she's a great, you know, a you great could, supporter. If money wasn't an object and you could go any city in Canada, where would you go? Well, I'd stay in Hamilton. I couldn't leave, I couldn't leave my family and Hamilton You're, is You beautiful. can take your family with you. You can have a little ecosystem. Okay. Oh, Halifax. Yeah, that'd be good. Halifax. Yeah. Charlottetown even. Beautiful on PEI. Do you know what I didn't love? What? Vancouver. Yeah, neither do I. It's rainy it's every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's too expensive. I know in this high, hypothetical situation, money wouldn't be an option, but the people there are so upset with the uh, wages. All the employees are passive aggressive. Mm. And I was just watching a TikTok. A TikTok? Yeah, that's how I talk now. And... Uh, <laughs> The, the man was saying the same thing. He's like, everyone in Vancouver is passive aggressive who works at shops mm. and everything because it's just like a defense mechanism because they're so, they can't be ha truly happy. Well, here's what it is. You can't go major city. You got to go mid-sized city. Hamilton's 500,000, probably closer to 600 now. 500,000. We got it all. We got a great restaurant scene, great art scene, great sports, everything. And it's beautiful. Like, it's hilly. We got Lake Ontario, which is massive. We got the Niagara Escarpment, a UNESCO heritage site. And it, I think, anyway, it might be something else, but it's beautiful. Air quality, though. We have those smokestacks. We got the smokestacks. So that might not be good to breathe. I think it's okay. They tell you us do? to stay indoors when it gets real bad. Okay. So there you go. <laughs> Head of uh, tourism. No, uh, it is It is a really green City. What do we got? Are we in the green belt? Is that what they call it's it? It's green on the ground and black in the air with the black smoke. <laughs> it's a nice place, though. I like it. I'm just uh, yeah, telling some best. funnies here. It's the best. But moving on, if I can just have it, one more thing. Yeah, absolutely. A little disappointed in you, Alex. I won't lie to you. Oh, because the intro? Yeah, the intro. Well, I know. I asked you for one thing. I asked you for, and listeners may yeah, recall. You wanted the top without any music on it. Did you give it to me? I didn't. Well, but have I taught you anything during this quarantine to period? stay on it and to ask about things? You got to stay. People don't want to do anything. People are inherently lazy. They're procrastinators. If I send an email to someone and I ignore it and then someone follows up and I ignore it and then someone says one last email and you know you're the same way, you'll respond instantly because then I'll you have to remind me and then say set a deadline for me. Right. But you decided to put it in my court and just say, oh, that's. Shane's thing. I was you trying to delegate task? it to you because I don't have enough brain capacity for it. Come on. You're going to tell your employer you don't have enough brain capacity for it? Well, Not that I'm no. your employer, <laughs> but I would say I'm in a managerial role. Well, you're in control of all the tech stuff. This is a tech problem. It's not a tech problem. It's a tech problem. It is a tenacity thing. Tenacity. Then be more tenacious and get me that audio, Shane. I tasked it with you. Get you have to be tenacious. Here. Yeah, well, your Give catch, me that audio. Your catchphrase. Uh, 
Okay, what? what's your question? That's my catchphrase? Yes. Taxes. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Taxes. Oh, we have to set a date to do the taxes. Do you want me to take off a day next week? Yes. Okay. But let's, that's it. as soon as this podcast is over, we need to set a date because I can't have that undercurrent of anxiety anymore. Next Tuesday. Let's do it next Tuesday. Take an extra long weekend. Why not? Oh, yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, do that. Perfect. Okay. Settled. But Shane, I have three quick... Wait, why don't you just do it Monday? Because we're driving home from the cottage. We got dinner with your... uh, No, no dinner with your brother. But we're driving home from the cottage. We're going to be home with the kids. Okay, okay. Yeah. Or we'll talk about it after the podcast. Okay. Maybe just block that part out. Does Erica want to just take that part out? Keep it in, Erica. (laughs) The people need to know what's happening with our lives. All right. Shane. Yeah. Should we, how, how, how much time has we got here? Just ask one question. Well, then we'll end it. It's 23 minutes. All right. So people have been asking, you know, demanding that. Is this the influencer thing where no one's actually been asking? No, 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 no. I showed you the messages. I showed you lots of messages about people saying, oh my gosh, we missed date night. We missed the date night podcast, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to start date nights right now because we've got too much going on with Shane's show there's just way too much. He's working 24-7 in his real job and then in the evenings on the show. So it gets tough. Is my real job not the show too? It is, but you know what I mean. You yeah. got, you're got you working just around yes. the clock. So we can't do date nights right now. They will resume eventually. But we wanted to bring a little date night energy to this podcast. So I think we're going to start asking each other date nighty type questions to get that vibe off the top. And I'm going to start with one right now. We'll do one each. Yeah. Oh, we're all out of time. We should go to the interview now. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. Just ask me the one. <laughs> all right. Why do you think we make a good couple? You know, I'm uh, a lot of people say I'm shallow. They say I only, what? <laughs> I don't know where you're going. No, a lot of people have accused me of only loving beautiful women. And do you know what I say? Guilty as charged. <laughs> Why do you think? <laughs> no, give me a real thoughtful answer, you dinkwad. Tomorrow you're leaving me for work and you can't give me a thoughtful answer? Okay, well, your look sucked me in like a tr- tractor beam. Is that the word tractor beam? Laser beam? No, like a, a thing that sucks you in. I always say tractor beam. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we don't live on a farm. Okay. Your look sucked me in, but what kept me around was your very congenial personality. Hmm. <laughs> That's the least flattering way to say it, but yeah, you're very, you're warm. I, I've As I've gotten to know you, I've, I've learned that can be a bit of a roller coaster with your emotions sometimes. Because you have you have that condition, right? We just learned a period. No, get out of here! You have you have exclamation <laughs> points. Hey, eh? exclamation points! She doesn't have her period. Original folks. joke, Shane. It, I made that joke up. You did not. We heard on a show. That's a lie. It's that's a lie. What show was it on? We saw, we heard it I'm, on a show. I'm not going to tell you the show because I'm telling you it's a lie. I, I made that up. Well, then you better tell it to I've, the writers of the show. But, no, the joke is Al. That I've used the joke on this podcast like eight times. I know you have. I, I made the joke up. No, I'm not you... saying it's quality. It's probably going to be getting me canceled one day. No, I know you've used it on this pod, but we also heard it on a show recently. No, I, I'd love to see a Google search. For I that will joke Google search from... it for the next podcast. I can promise you I made that joke up. So you guys were a great couple. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, 
I think we're a great couple because we it's it's not like opposites attract because we're not opposite, but we are opposite in certain ways, like in how we maybe conduct ourselves with business or with just daily tasks and things like that. But and we're so similar in some ways. So I think that you and I are an incredible balance of what the other needs. Like we're alike in the perfect ways and we're different in the perfect ways where we can kind of, you know, help the other one in ways in which they lack. What's the phrase you always say? You marry your deficit. You marry your deficit. And I think that we've done that in a lot of ways. But I just think we have so much damn fun. I like I think that we're a great couple because we have so much fun and we get oh this is gonna rhyme. And we get so much done. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I'm good at activating your talents. And you have a lot of talents that you sometimes don't care to activate. So it's awesome to have someone like that on your team. And I do think marriage is a team. Mm -hmm. So again, once the pandemic hit, it was like, Alex, you're on maternity leave. Let's activate your superpower. And I think that I, I feel help- like the guy from WeWork. Right? I, know, I was going to say, <laughs> you're a supernova, baby. Yeah. Uh, we crashed is a funny show, by the way. That's what we're talking about. But I think also that I help keep you a little more level because you can get kind of manic about things. Yeah. And I think that I don't get manic really about, I get manic maybe about odd things, but general life I don't. And I think mm-hmm. that that can help maybe. Calm you down if I'm Let's not say, as I like I like that you're capable. For instance, I don't have the ability to do taxes. I just can't. <laughs> I it takes it like I filling out an invoice takes me forever. I can't sit there, even though filling out an invoice is simple. It just drives me out of my skin, and this is part of my learning that I have ADHD. It was why is this seemingly simple task that other people can do easily or filling out a form for instance why can i not fill out a form a simple form for a health card mm-hmm. or i and you're so good at doing things like that that it gives me power and it takes anxiety away from me and comforts me i will say if you want somebody who's good you should marry yolanda our ex tax lady because i'm not i just I just stressfully do them because I don't have like the the same oh, anxiety about it that you do. I know that. But what I mean is you're capable to do it. Yeah. I'm incapable. That is so scary when you're incapable to do something mm-hmm. and people think you should be able to do a seemingly easy task. Not or not easy. It's something that just takes uh, sitting down and the ability to do it. It's, I don't have that ability. It's like directions. Yeah. People will never understand that I don't know where I'm going and I need an iPhone map with me at all times, even if I'm in a neighborhood I've lived at for 30 years. And then I found this out through TikTok. Again, ADH people suffer from that where they always need an iPhone map. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but there is a, a section of ADHD people, which is I think it's over 60% who need that. Mm-hmm. So you have that ability to be a functional human and that calms me down. And well, I'm attracted go. to that. Well, look, what practical answers, Shane? Well, you know, like Where's the romance? The, I, I started with the romance. I'm physically attracted to you. <laughs> That's not a romance. It makes me feel romantic. <laughs> I don't know if I, I would, it would be hard for me to activate 
my romantic side if I wasn't attracted to you. And I mean, it transcends looks. It's just your being is attractive. I'll take it. The looks sucked me in, but your being is attractive. Yeah, but what about my being, Shane? I'm fishing hard. Your aura. What about my aura? It's glowing. <laughs> it's a glowing aura. What, what, do I get anything here? What do you mean? You get. I feel like I haven't gotten a lot. I well, feel I like this is a boomerang type thing where I give you some stuff and then you give it back. Well, no, I, I've just been trying to um, extract the answer that yeah, I want from I'm, you. I'm also... You, you, I thought you loved being called beautiful. Like, what else do you want? Well, you smart? No, I guess I was Capable? expecting, um, you know, something Shakespearean, but it's okay. We'll work on it. Shakespearean? Yeah, like a sonnet. <laughs> I can barely speak English. I guess Shakespeare is English, but um, I don't know. No, Shane, I'm satisfied. I love you. And I'm really loving this little reflection that we've had on the last couple of years because it has been so meaningful. And, you know, again, I'm not losing you, but I'm sad to lose you for two days a week. I, I really am. And I really love you. And I want that to be the the takeaway okay, from this one open. little compliment for me. One little compliment? Yes. Like what kind of compliment? I can okay, compliment. No, no, I'm no, done. no, no. I don't want it. No. I don't even want it anymore. I just didn't know if you want it to be why we're a good couple or just about you. I don't care. You know what I love about you? What and is you it? know why I'm sad that you're going to work? Why? Because, Shane, oh. you make me so happy. Like the smallest interaction, like I said before, the smallest interaction I can have with you during the day. If I get home from work, I've had a long day. Even if you are in the middle of something for your own job. Mm-hmm. you'll walk by you'll just do anything like tap on the butt give me a smile come out and give me a kiss and you brighten my mood more than any other force in the world i love it so much and more than the children it's different than the children okay so them i don't have to take care of you like i have to take care of them that's not necessarily true <laughs> I feel like Lucy's more capable than me in a lot of ways. <laughs> she could do the taxes. No, but you you make me feel so seen and so loved in a way that obviously the kids can't. And um like I I almost need it. I crave it. And I'm just so always magnetically drawn to you, even if we're arguing, whatever. I'm just so drawn to you and I just... When we're arguing, you're drawn to me. I need you close to me. When we're arguing, I come and find you and I will make you hug me and everything. You know that. Yeah, I can't so- be away from you, babe. Okay. What? This is not a nice compliment? You're looking well, at I'm me like... I'm just worried because I think you might be too into me now. <laughs> Initially, I wanted an ego boost. Now I'm like, oh, geez, maybe I'm too good for her? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank you, Alex. It's, uh, it's been a heck of a run. Not to say that the run is ending, but just to say that it's been a heck of a run and I look forward to seeing what comes next. But what comes next right now is a word from our partners. If you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been in the process of reducing our environmental footprint. And one way that we are doing this and doing it quite successfully, I might add, is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. Double-use, triple-use, quadruple-use, all are gone. (laughs) Because, you know, one way with two kids and lots of laundry between the four of us, it's ridiculous, our laundry room was looking just polluted. 
with plastic detergent bottles, empty ones, the soap spilled on the floor. It was disgusting. (laughs) So we discovered True Earth laundry detergent like last summer, and we have not looked back. The detergent is amazing. It comes in these pre-measured soluble strips that you simply rip apart and put in your washer. You just toss them in. So if it's a smaller load, you can use half a strip. If it's a normal load, one strip. And if it's a big load, two strips. It is so easy. And the best part, of course, is that there's no plastic. The packaging is super compact and it has drastically changed just the look of our laundry room. Like I'm not embarrassed anymore if somebody other than me has to go in there. Like one of our babysitters. It's not that bad. There's still a lot of clothes on the floor, so I'm still embarrassed, but it's nothing to do with True Earth. Continue. (laughs) Uh, And as a family who have kids with super sensitive skin, we typically opt for the baby detergent, which is fragrance-free, gentle on everybody's skin, and it is so tough on dirt. Our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. So check out True Earth Detergent at true.earth and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 to get 10% off your order. And this could be a single order. It could be, you know, an order that's going to cover your laundry needs for the next year. And you're going to get the discount on all of it. So you will love this product. Take our word for it. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get to our interview with Jamie Scrimger. All right, Jamie, welcome to This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. I'm very excited to talk to you and pick your brain about your life, your podcast, <laughs> what you do w- within your family, because you are the host of the Kick-Ass Mom Podcast, Stepmom Pop. Yeah, Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. My goodness, yes. I can't get this out of my mouth tonight. It's been a long one. The Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. You are a stepmom, but I don't know much about your family dynamic. Could you kind of like go through that? Do you have biological kids, only stepkids? When did you meet your husband? Yeah. So my husband and I have been together, you know, it was 10 years ago of our first date just this past month. So we have been together for 10 years, which is so wild to me. And so I was 26 when we got together and just, you know, doing life as a 26 year old (laughs) with no responsibilities uh, does. And Then I fell in love with a recently divorced single dad with three kids. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. And so we ended up getting married and, you know, wait, 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 wait. I I got questions. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did you? (laughs) I was like, I think I skipped over No, no, this is good. You talk all, all cut in. So did you meet like online on an app from somebody? Because meeting somebody with kids could maybe, here's the thing. Maybe it's what somebody wants. And that's another thing I want to know. Maybe that's what somebody's looking for because they're unable to or don't want to go through pregnancy and they Mm -hmm. want that. But like, was this something you knew about prior to getting to know him? Yes, I did. So we have family connections. So I have known him my whole life, basically, but not just in an acquaintance kind of way, but I always loved him. So he's 13 years older than me. And I always used to say he was like my old man crush and uh, (laughs) he would make me like my I would just kind of stop when I would see him. I remember everything. Every time I ever saw him, I remember what I was wearing. I remember what he was wearing. Like, I just remember, I just always had this kind of thing for him. And so I had heard that he was on the market. So I was the one who kind of Facebooked him. (laughs) I was like, Hey, how's it going? And it's really funny though, because a lot of people assumed that he went after me, you know, Mm -hmm. like recently divorced, you know, going (laughs) after someone younger, like the rebound, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah. And that's kind of how it started, but I was just kind of 
bored and dating. And I I didn't have any long-term plans, but we were three dates in and I was like, I'm going to marry him. Like I I just was all in, but it's interesting. So my background's in psychology, I was working at children's aid. So I was dealing with a lot of, um, so if anyone's listening from the States, that's our child protective services. So I worked a lot with families who had been dealing with custody and access, you know, co-parenting, you know, with my degree and just like my experience, I really kind of felt like I, I was good. Like, mm-hmm. right. Like my parents were divorced. I knew what it was like. I, I was good. Um, but I wasn't uh, good. It was a, it was like moving to another country, right. You know, just even kids and their stuff. And, you know, you, I had no experience with children. So I didn't know that it was normal to like, have to say the same things to kids over and over again. How or old that were there they was like, sh- when you, when so, you met them? five, eight, and 10. And they are amazing. Like they're like the coolest kids ever, but it's just kids are, it was a, it was a big transition. Yeah, we did that. And then we ended up having a baby. So now, so I have three step kids and then we have a daughter Reese. So now like at the time of recording, she is seven. My stepson's 15. My other stepson is 18. So he's in his last year of high school. And then my stepdaughter is in university. So she is 19. Oh my gosh. So all across the map. Yeah. We're like in all the stages of parenting all the time. (laughs) No, that's, that's fascinating. There's so many fascinating things about this because, you know, I think parenting in any capacity, whether it is as a step parent, I'm sure as a foster parent, an adoptive parent, as a biological parent, there are some parts of it that feel so natural. And there are Mm -hmm. some parts of it that feel like unnatural. And I'm, I'm saying this, my only experience is having two biological daughters, And there are some parts of it that took me a long time to come to terms to and say, okay, well, this feels weird. Like I have to Mm -hmm. learn how to do this because you have to learn how to parent. And when you're getting thrown into it, when kids are kids, they're not babies. You know, you, you are lacking that time where their brains are mush and you can make mistakes kind of, Mm -hmm. and have your kind of panic moments and freak outs and, you know, self-pity and guilt. And the kid doesn't know because they're a baby. So to get thrown into that stage, that learning stage, when the kids are a little bit older, what was that like? Because that sounds a bit nerve wracking to me. Yeah. And it was, and I think where it comes, you know, I was coming in, I was young Mm -hmm. and I had no experience And there was obviously some judgment that would came with this like new young wife and, you know, like the rebound relationship, all of that. And so I came in trying to prove myself, trying to prove I was a good stepmom, trying to prove to myself too, that I wasn't totally in over my head. So I was trying so hard to be perfect all the time, like have the perfect family, the perfectly dressed kids, perfectly behaved, like dinner on the table every night. Like I went all in doing all the things and you know, that works really, really well until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was just trying to just have it all together all the time. And then, you know, you just break. Like I literally was on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out being like, whoa, you know, maybe, maybe I should just get in my car and go (laughs) like, maybe this was a big mistake. I think about that too sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I do still sometimes think about it. But yeah, so that's kind of how this whole thing started. I started, you know, I started to look for support online Mm -hmm. and realized there was really nothing that was aligned with me there. I was looking for someone, you know, there's just a lot of ex-wife bashing and a lot of, you know, negativity and a lot of just crap like that. And 
Yeah. You know what? A good event session every now and then when things are tough is great. You know, it's therapeutic. You need to have it, but that's not going to make anything any better, right? Like I was literally looking for someone to tell me how to do this, but the problem is there is no one size fits all approach. Cause you have so many different dynamics, right? You have, you know, a stepmom could come in and have kids who are like not over the divorce or who are super resentful and just aren't going to accept them no matter what you can have situations where the ex is like, hates you and makes a big deal. You can have very welcoming situations. Like, you know, I could say all the different, there's so many, right. Mm-hmm. So there's really no, this is how you step mom, right. Yeah. This is how you should do it. So I really just wanted to kind of create this open, positive, you know, solution focused mm-hmm. space for stepmoms instead of just the negativity, because there is still a huge stepmom stereotype and all of the resources weren't helping the situation. Oh, uh, well, absolutely. And before I got on the mic with you, I was talking to my husband, Shane. I was like, I'm fascinated because, you know, I want to touch on the cliche stepmom stereotype, right? Like Mm -hmm. it makes me think automatically of Cinderella, just like that, the evil Mm -hmm. stepmother. And that's Mm -hmm. really the only type of stepmom I saw portrayed in media when I was a kid. And then finally, you know, like going through school, I had friends with stepmothers, stepfathers, Shane has the most involved, amazing stepmother of all time. Mm-hmm. Like she's my kids, Nona. She's my kids think they're freaking Italian because their grandmother is Italian. And it's I don't know what I'm going to have to explain that she's not actually biologically related, but there it, it's so different. And there is so much love and the the family dynamic is I mean, any family dynamic is different, like even biological parents in different houses. And, you know, I'm I'm curious for you, like you said you approached him first, right? Like having had these, you know, it's a beautiful, like romantic sounding relationship, by the way, like that whole, it's so cute. So Until it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Like everything. (laughs) But I, you know, getting into it, and saying, okay, like he has three kids. Is that something that you had ever considered prior to reaching out to him? Like, was this something that you wanted or had thought, oh, I could do that? Or what? Like, what was your experience with that or thoughts about it? I feel like I didn't have any thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. I really was never that, I was never like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to have three kids or this is what my life is going to look like. Or I want, I really hadn't thought about, I had no idea of what life was going to be. I assumed it was just going to be this traditional thing. Um, so it wasn't a deal breaker for me, but it wasn't something I was so excited about. The one real big thing for me though, was, you know, at the beginning, I was not going to meet the kids until I was Mm -hmm. all in with him. Right. Because I don't think it's fair to be constantly introducing your children to people who you're dating. And it's like Mm -hmm. on and off, especially when they're really young because they've had enough loss. Right. So Mm -hmm. what if we get super attached and then I'm out, right? Like how, how do you do that? So that wasn't the big thing for me. So I guess I didn't think about it too much, which was probably a really good thing Yeah, because I didn't overthink it. I didn't come up with the scenarios that, you know, inevitably did happen Mm -hmm. in my head because I was just in love and in this like fairy tale, la la land. And then, you know, when you are developing a relationship with these kids, you know, I'm there's, like you said, like there's gotta be different dynamics where sometimes it might be difficult for them to accept that their parent is in a serious relationship with somebody other than their mother or their father. So at what moment do the kids go from being you know, your boyfriend's kids or your husband's kids to your kids. And then when does that feeling of 
like stepmom come in? Is there like a moment or does it, is it just so gradual? You know, I think there is moments and then there's moments when you don't feel like that. So, and I, and take that with a grain of salt. Cause I always feel like that now, but I, it is a rocky road, right? Cause for a stepmom, it's like figuring out your role. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, going back to the stigma, it's like, okay, so when, you know, if you're an over really involved stepmom, you're all in, you're doing all the things, all the quote unquote mom jobs. Well, then, you know, society is like, ah, what does her mom, the mom think? Like she needs to like, you know, respect the role of the mom. But then if you kind of take a step back and you're kind of letting everyone do their thing, then society's like, oh, well, she knew he had kids or she knew they had kids. Like, what, what did she expect? She's, she's a real parent. But then, you know, if you go to discipline, it's like, well, you're not a real parent. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, they don't actually, you shouldn't be going in that strong. So like, there's like these mixed messages too, where you're trying to find your role. You're trying to find your place. it's like, what can a stepmom do? What can a stepmom not do? And uh, it's really tricky. So you have these moments and you think it's so amazing. And then all of a sudden something happens and it's like, well, you know, mom says that I didn't have to do that for you because you said that, or, you know, you need to back up and you need to know your place or, you know, you're not welcome at parent teacher conference. It's just for the parents. And I'm just using examples from, you know, women that I work with too, but it's like, okay, what is my role? How do I find this? Right. Cause there's always these constant reminders. So, you know, the big thing for me is always like, okay, what works for you and your family, right? What's working for you? Like, oh, and like don't work in your client's family. Yeah. 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 In anyone's family. Mm-hmm. Cause my role as a stepmom might not look like your role as a stepmom. Like, you know, I love my stepkids. Like they're my own, but you know, maybe you don't, maybe you can't stand your stepson. Maybe he's really terrible to you. And it's very hard. You know, you, you probably don't have that same connection. So how do, how do you find that place? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. But how did you find that? Like, how did you find your identity and say, like, this is the kind of stepmom I'm going to be? Was it trial and error? Was it conversations with your husband? Was it conversations with the kids? Was it conversations with the ex-wife? Like, what did Mm -hmm. that specifically look like for you? Well, I was kind of all in at the beginning and just doing all of the things and, and, you know, stepping up and supporting my husband. And then, you know, after we had our daughter, I didn't go back to work because I was in child protection and my husband works late hours and it just wasn't, it just wasn't going to work. So I was home, right? So I was home with the kids all of the time. So when they were young, I was pretty all in Mm -hmm. all the areas and that worked. Right. Then it got, as they were getting older, it's really important to like pick up on the vibe, right? Like pick on where, where are they telling you they want you and mm-hmm. telling you that they don't want you based on, you know, you can just like read the room. Right. Yeah. So as they got older, I quickly realized, you know, step or, you know, your teenagers are far more forgiving of their quote unquote real parent than they are their step parents. So that's when I started picking my battles and only because we would have like, you know, getting in an argument with one of my stepkids and, you know, you could tell they were clearly not having where I'm at that time. Right. So it's ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And it's really about like, for me, it was always like checking in and being like, okay, is this working? Like, does this feel right? Is this impacting my ability to show up as my best? Like, am I depleted? Because there was this fight and I talk about this often, but my husband and I got into it because I was doing everything. And I was like, oh, well, we have the kids this weekend. Like, I, I can't, I can't see my friends. And like, I just was like all in trying to be like the quote unquote mom of the house. Mm-hmm. 
And then I was so resentful. I was like, I gave up everything for you people. And, you know, I don't do anything I used to do anymore. I don't go to yoga. I don't go to, you know, see my friends. I don't go to the bookstores. And, you know, it's very common for moms to feel that way too. And, you know, my husband said to me, he goes, no one asked you to do those things, Jamie. Mm. No one asked you to give all, like, we were fine. We were doing, like, we don't need you to do all the things. And that's where stepmoms screw up because you go all in and then you don't get that same recognition and that same connection right away Mm -hmm. as, you know, a biological mom. And then you're left feeling like, oh, well, I'm good enough until I'm not. That's so tough too. Like, I can't imagine being in that argument because then I think my mind would go to, yeah, but you let me do those things. And then how come you're not giving me, even though you didn't ask me, you let me and now we're here. So how do you get past that? Well, I just went to yoga. I don't know. Like I just, (laughs) he he was right. Yeah. You know, he was right. I didn't need to have my finger on everything, Mm -hmm. but I was a control freak, right? Like I was a perfectionist. I was control Mm -hmm. freak. I was, you know, this is all, you know, subconsciously, I wasn't being like, I need to be everything, but that's kind of where I was. And so I had to kind of check myself like, okay, yeah. You know, they don't owe me anything, Mm -hmm. right. They owe me respect. They owe me, you know, just we're all like human beings living together, but they didn't ask me to just like go all in and do this. Like that was a decision I made on my own. Mm -hmm. And that was more about me than it was about them. Like they were fine. So in those early days when you were going all in and like really stretching yourself thin and kind of losing your pre-family identity, right? Where did you find the most support and where did you find the most, the most challenges like people wise, like with who? you know, it's really interesting. Like you as a stepmom, you need to get very deliberate about who you're going to go to for support. Cause people either get it or they don't, they're either supportive or they're not. Cause you'll get, well, you knew he had kids. Like what, what did you expect? Right. And thing is, is this is where I think there's this double standard, right? So when you're a new mom and say your kids like colicky and baby's just crying all night, all night, all night. And so say you go to a group of women, and you say, I'm not sleeping. I am like struggling. I'm dealing with all of these things. What do they do? Offer support. They come help. They do. Yeah. It's all hands on deck. Like mm-hmm. everyone's super supportive when a, a stepmom doesn't get that same thing. It's, it's kind of like, well, like, what'd you expect? Or yeah, you know, right. So you're so supposed to inherently know this, whereas no. I'm not. Cause you don't know how it feels. Right. Like I, I, you know, as a new mom, your baby's going to cry, but do you know how it's going to feel when they are crying and crying and you can't sue them? Like it's, you don't know, right. Just like I knew what it would be like, but I didn't know. So I, I really struggled in finding that support and that's how my blog and my blog started. I literally just started writing and I had no idea that anyone was going to read it. And for some reason at the very beginning, I was still, I, I unintentionally was putting very like SEO heavy <laughs> idols, <laughs> yeah. like people could find me. Right. So I was getting emails from women from literally all over the world being like, Whoa, thank you for saying this. I didn't, no one talks about step parenting. There are mm-hmm. no stepmom blogs and that's how the support came. So you know, I was doing a lot of personal growth and personal development Mm -hmm. myself, but in that time, I was also really connecting with other women that I met online. Mm -hmm. You know, online communities can be so helpful. And that's kind of how we started here, just finding online support through something difficult, right? And then it turns into something bigger and it's amazing. And people can be so amazing and it's great because people can also be so shitty. And you need 
the other, right, to to kind of shine a light on the good. But did you actually meet people in, or like know people in your regular life who were talking to you like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. yeah. That's why. Oh, yeah. People say, you know, I remember even having the weirdest conversations with women. Like one, I was talking about making lunches and uh, she's like, yeah. And as a real mom making a lunch. <gasps> and to me, I'm like, okay, well, there are a lot of differences between a mom and a stepmom, but I'm confused about the sandwich. You know, I'm confused <laughs> about like where, you know, where is that coming from? And I got a lot of like, well, you did know, you knew we had kids or what'd you expect, Jamie? And like that kind of stuff. So yeah, you get that stuff a lot and it, and it's hard or you just get the vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, they don't say much. So it's tricky, right? Cause you have all these feelings inside and you can't talk to your partner about it. Yeah. Well, you can, but it's difficult because the issues that you're having in your relationship are actually the issues that have come with him. And it's, yeah, so it, it's, it's really tricky. So yeah, there was definitely people would say just like, oh, do you want us a funny one? So we were on a conference, um, for my husband. And so he had not gone on the conference the year before, cause he had been, he was getting divorced and he had been there previously. So I'm going and I'm like, here's the new wife rolling in or I, we were just engaged at the time. And this woman walked up to me and I guess they had hung out previous years. And right. she's like, oh, hi, well, it, it's nice to meet you, but I just, we really liked, and then said <gasps> my husband, oh, I was like, That's really, awful. you know, like, and then we were going to the, going to the bar and I just looked young then. Yeah. And it was 21 years old to get into the bar in the States. And we're, it's 19 here in Canada. And, uh, so we were like getting a spot and then I couldn't find my ID. Like, you know, when you have your partner mm-hmm. hold it and then he couldn't find it. And so we, the bouncer pulled me aside and I'm like by far the youngest no. person there. And she's like, Oh, Rob in the cradle. <laughs> like, <gasps> That's just awful. some really mean stuff sometimes, but you know, it's fine. I know that stuff comes from insecurity now, but in the moment when I was really struggling, I was like, man, what was I thinking? Well, I wonder too, if some of it can come from a place of like fear As in like, oh, man, like if I divorce my husband, he's going to go for a younger, hotter Mm -hmm. thing, quote unquote, right? Because that is, again, like another stereotype. And I'm assuming that comments like that do come from a place of, like you said, just insecurity and fear. And Mm -hmm. is that what it looks like for everybody? And I don't know. Like I I get that. I get the fear and the insecurity about that, right? But it doesn't make it okay. I don't think I'd ever say it either and yeah it was good even comments like rob in the cradle like that you know could be like a joking comment from a bouncer but then it just adds to maybe the weight that you feel going into this relationship as the new wife a younger wife and a new like a stepmom right because they don't get what you're walking into and the situation that you place yourself in so that could be so difficult and what was it like with the kids like establishing your relationship with them early on? Like, how are you introduced? Like, this is dad's new girlfriend. This is going to be my wife. Like, how does that connection happen so that the kids are comfortable or maybe they weren't comfortable? I don't know. We learned so much from mistakes. How did it go for you? Yeah, no, they were. It was good at the beginning. So, you know, we were really like picking up on their cues, right? Mm -hmm. So they were young, like even my, my stepson, he's 15 now. So he's like, every time he comes back, he's just a man. And, uh, (laughs) 
he was five and just a squishy, like he is actually, he unleashed this maternal instinct that I didn't know I had. Mm -hmm. Like I just had that. So the kids were great. We were always kind of doing activities and I was, you know, girlfriend before we moved in, we asked if that was okay. So it was funny. Darren had asked them and, um, I was here at the house and they came running in. They're like, Jamie, you can move in. And I was like, a lot of my stuff's upstairs. So I'm glad this worked. (laughs) No, but it was great. And so, you know, and then when we got married, I think there was probably some like questions, like what Mm -hmm. is this and that kind of stuff. So it's always just been like about open communication Mm -hmm. and kind of meeting them where they're at and age appropriate answers. But yeah, like there's times, like there's been times when one of them said like, I don't have to listen to you. You're not my mom. Like, I'm sorry. I don't have to listen to you. Rightfully so. In my mind, I'm like, if you're a kid and you don't challenge that a little bit, like mm-hmm. that was an opportunity where he could see where we're, you know, mm-hmm. at. And, um, you know, my response was, I didn't respond in the moment, but the next day after that had been said, he'd asked me to like take mustard out of his shirt. And he's like, Hey, can you get the stain out? Or, Hey, can you drive me into my friends? There's a couple of requests. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I said, Hey, when you said that, that hurt my feelings. And I know that I'm not, but I am, you know, an adult in this house and I mm-hmm. do love you guys very much. And uh, I said, this can go however you want, right? You, this is on you. You don't have to like me. That's totally okay. I grew a sidebar, which I probably mentioned, should have mentioned earlier. I hated all my dad's girlfriends and I was like a nightmare. So I used to get rid of them for sport. <laughs> so I, I had like mad respect for just, you know, right. way to go push, push the boundaries. However, this is where we're at. So I said, how fair is it for me to have to do all of these things if you don't have to respect me? Mm-hmm. Right. So this can go either way. So you can do this or you can do that, but I'm not going above and beyond. Like you can wait for your dad to get home to get a ride. Like, so we all have to live together. I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. So what's, what's the plan here? Mm-hmm. And we never really talked about it again, but it was just kind of there. And now bringing in a new child, right? Which is going to be their, their sibling. Like it's their sibling. Yeah. That's huge because it's, you know, they're living it. They're living with a kid. They're biologically related. However, it's different because, of course, you are not their mother. So introducing that to them, how does that go? Do you take any extra precautions? I mean, how old were they when you when you gave birth? So seven years ago. So okay, I'm not great at math. No, 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 I suck at math. <laughs> but they're they're teenagers. They're like preteens and teens. Preteens, teens. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kind of um, we had always kind of talked about it. Right. So it wasn't this big secret or this bomb. So it was always known that this was a plan. So I don't think they were surprised when we told them we wrote like a letter from the, from the baby and like the ultrasound and like did all that. But yeah, no, they were, they were excited. They were just kind of into it. But I think the big thing for me was like taking my cues from them and just Mm -hmm. saying like, if they're not feeling excited, like don't push it on them. Right. Like you there, it's okay. If they have a reaction with like, what, there's like a new baby coming in here. Like, how is this going to work? So we really did just kind of meet them where they were at. Mm -hmm. Now there was a conversation. So I remember we went out for dinner the night that I, um, had, we had told them and my stepdaughter had wrote something on Instagram and she had posted the picture of the ultrasound and was like really excited. And she had said, this is my new half soon to be half sibling. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, right. Like just hit me. And I was, I hated that. I was like half, like I didn't like it. 
So we did talk to her about, and we said, you know, we're not going to do that. Like, let's not do half. Like this is your, Mm -hmm. technically it's your half, but like, we want this to be your sibling and there are no half people. Right. So let's, let's just go like that. But that was something, right. Cause there are, there is lingo. Right. And so you have to get really clear on how it's going to work. Maybe half works for some families and that feels really good for them, but not, we didn't really like it. And it really kind of stung. So I was like, oh, we are like families within families. Right. Yeah. No, I I think that is so important. And you even saying that right now, I don't know how it would look for me, but I I think that I'd be on the same page as you. It's just, no, we're family, you're siblings. That's it. And then I think about all the people growing up that I called aunt and uncle who weren't even related. They were just friends of my parents. And it's like, if Mm -hmm. I can welcome them into a family kind of sphere with that language, I, I would want my kids to welcome a sibling in it's like mm-hmm. a half sibling technically in with that same kind of language you know it's easy to use and it's i think it just shows that familial bond and i think that is so important because you don't want the one being left out from the three right yeah and, and that's something i've been really cognizant about right because mm-hmm. we often talk about how we have to make it fair for our stepkids right like you don't want the kids to feel like you've gone and started a new family 100 percent. however i was very clear i was not going to be raising my daughter on a week on week off basis. So our life wasn't going to stop when the kids went to their moms, right? Like when the kids go to their moms, they're still living their life. Mm-hmm. So for us to be like, Oh, we can't go out for dinner or we can't go to a movie or we can't, you know, go on a weekend getaway. Like we, we still carry on our life trying to keep it as fair as possible, but sometimes fair isn't equal. Mm-hmm. Now, I always have questions when these kinds of things come up because it is well known on this podcast. I, I can't, I'm a, I'm a jealous person. It's like maybe my worst quality. I'm a jealous person. I get very insecure about those kinds of things. And, you know, like when I dated Shane, he wasn't married. He hadn't like he hadn't been married before. So I wasn't taking on his old relationships at the same time I was taking him on. But when you get into a relationship with somebody who's divorced, you are taking on their ex-partner in some form as well. Because you are connected to them. If they've had children, you are connected to them forever. So there's no escaping that ex. And I have a lot of a lot of questions about that, specifically when you go to have a child. Do you like you don't have to ask, like it's your life. You don't have to ask anybody's permission or you don't have to broach things nicely if you don't want to. But what is your relationship like with the spouse if you if you feel comfortable answering that? And how do you go about these major life decisions when somebody else is kind of in the mix, but on the outskirts? Yeah, that's such a good question. And so first we, we didn't, I don't think we asked or said anything. We just mm-hmm. kind of did it. Um, mm-hmm. cause I do think it's really important to not give, you know, the ex so much power, yeah. right? So you guys are moving on and you are creating a new family, right? Mm-hmm. So there needs to be an element of respect and, you know, we make decisions together. I don't know if we gave her a heads up before the kids came back or not, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't that big of an event that I would remember. Some people think it's a really big deal. Some people really have a lot of anxiety about sharing it. It's like you just be careful giving another person too much power to have an opinion over how you do things. So yeah, but just in terms of the relationship, honestly, it's just been up and down. So mm-hmm. it's been really, it, you know, the very beginning, obviously I think there was some, holy crap, like there's this new person here. Um, there was a letter that was given to me once and it said, you know, when I'm not here, you're the next best thing. Oh wow! And it was really nice. And I always remember that. Right. So that's kind of been the, 
just kind of my motto in the background on how, on how I, on how I show up for the kids, right. Just always making sure they know they're loved and supported and they can always come to me for anything. But in terms of relationship, it's, you know, it's really easy for people on the outside, whenever there's these like hearts and sparkles, co-parenting relationships going around on Facebook, saying, oh, this is how the hearts and sparkles, like co-parenting relationship, matching jerseys, like all the things which are amazing. And that is the goal. However, it's not always realistic for everyone because there's emotions, there's jealousy, there's money issues, there's you know different parenting styles, there's different lifestyle choices. Like there's so much. Plus, there's often hurt feelings and emotions from before. Right? You know, you have to have people who are in a all in the same space mm-hmm. and the same mindset to have that. And um, so, yeah, our relationship has really been kind of up and down throughout you know, some, there's been times we've had wine together. There's been times when we barely are speaking. And I just kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, just the ebbs and flows were causing me a lot of anxiety. Right. So I just kind of disengaged and took a step back, especially now, like the kids are older. We don't have a lot of, lot to talk about. They like two of the kids drive, right. There's not, there's nothing to coordinate really right now. So right now it's just non, non-existent, I guess. All right, Jamie, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. The best, most comfortable, most practical nursing bras you can get your hands on. Shane, what do you say about them? I say a lot about it and my opinion matters more than yours probably. No, Alex, just tell them why. Shane, it might be because you heard me complain the least about my cracked nipples when I was wearing bravado designs because it was the only thing honestly that I could wear that didn't send me into pain when I first started breastfeeding each of our kids like buttery smooth and honestly I'm so bad at fiddling with nursing bras terrible these were easy they made the process easier it was just comfortable all right I liked my life at that point I like it again because bravado designs now makes everyday bras Bras that you can wear every day, no clips, they're not just for nursing mothers, but for anybody with boobs. Same comfort, same practicality, they look great under shirts. You can't go wrong, and they are a Canadian company, which we love. But you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. But we are also supported by... Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity, and they make the best basics. I, I was going to say for your littles. I was going to say it too. I well, almost we, jumped in. We say it every week. But Don't talk over me. <laughs> they have now <laughs> ventured into women's wear with their M and West collection. So they just make the best basics for everybody. And I'm talking like fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfortable, and timeless. And for the kids wear, can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. And everything really does hold up. Yeah, well, I'm excited for the men's collection. We're getting there. This is a hint. (laughs) (laughs) But their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. 
but you really do. If you've been listening to us talk about Mini Miosh for a while, check out their new women's collection. It's just, you know, simple everyday wear made of French terry. Everything's, of course, ethical and sustainable. And like, Is that I a cannot. Dog? What? French terry. It does. Oh, well, that's I guess. French terrier. I'm thinking. No, it's way different. It's animal friendly. But you're you're gonna want to relax and kick back in these items. They're beautiful, and of course, Mini Miosh is always on a mission to leave our planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at minimiosh.com or at minimiosh on Instagram or Facebook. And if you use the promo code This Family Tree fifteen you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US. And again, that is minimiosh.com and This Family Tree 15. And now let's get back to our interview with Jamie. When you mentioned matching jerseys, does this happen? Because I could yeah. not, like I could be best friends with the ex. I could never get in a matching jersey like bio mom, stepmom kind of thing. I could never do that. I'm just... That, I don't know why. I don't know why. I just couldn't do that. I wouldn't want to. Like, I wouldn't want yeah. to do that. And I, I'm sure some people do. Again, everybody's different. I personally couldn't handle it. That's nuts. Yeah. It's really interesting because there's mm. so many things that when I was a, just a stepmom before I had Reese, you know, I was like, well, why don't they just accept that, you know, you're a, a mother in their life too. Like you're in this role too. Like they need to understand and then when I had Reese, I was like, if you moved on and you had another woman do this for my kid, I would, <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? It's just different perspectives. Right. And obviously I'm joking. I'm trying to, I would mm-hmm. obviously try to be the bigger person, but I can't say there wouldn't be days where my emotions wouldn't get the best of me because, yeah. you know, I say this all the time, this stuff doesn't bring out any of our shiniest no. qualities, right? There are times when you wake up in the morning and you're like, whoa, I should not have said that. Or Mm -hmm. maybe I should have waited 24 hours before I blew off that email. Like, um, and even sometimes when you say stuff to your stepkids, you're like, "Mm, that really wasn't what I would have done if I thought about it for five seconds before Mm -hmm. I spoke. Right. So it's, it's hard. No, of course. And I, I think it's like that way with biological kids as well, you know, and it's just that with stepkids, there's one less layer of forgiveness cushion and all of that. And that makes it tough. And, you know, I'm curious because you, you kind of mentioned it, but once you had Reese, uh, were there any specific ways in which having, you know, being a biological mom for the first time changed your perspective or how you approached things with your stepkids? Yeah, I was definitely a lot more empathetic towards mm. their mom. Yeah. Right. Like just thinking about another person looking after my baby like just made me feel sick to my stomach. So I was really, I was just really empathetic in that respect. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and I have been crucified online before. Cause I have said, you know, when I became a stepmom or when I became a mom, it changed the way I looked at being a stepmom. And I, you, you don't know until you have your own child And that offends a lot of people. And I don't mean that in a way to offend or to minimize anyone's experience or say, you can't love your stepkids. Like they're your own, right? Like mm-hmm. I, you don't know what it's like to be a mom and a stepmom until you're a mom and a stepmom. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it's like to be a stepmom until you're a stepmom. Right. So like everyone has a different experience. So, you know, you might have a stepmom who loves their stepkids, like their, their own, and you know, they are the mom and all of that. And that's what works for them. I never want to minimize that, yeah. but in my experience, it really did change the way I looked at it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I can see that. And it, again, it could be taking on more or 
taking on less. It doesn't matter what the experience is. If, if you don't have that, it's hard. It is so hard <laughs> to mm-hmm. imagine anything. Like um, I remember I interviewed my best friend actually for this podcast like two years ago when we were just starting out because she had been having uh, multiple miscarriages. And I was mm. like, I felt bad. I felt empathetic, but I couldn't get my head around how hard it was until I had one. And then it's like I had one and I got pregnant really quick after. So it's like, you know, my experience brings me to this one level, but then not to the level of the multiples. And it's also nuanced and it's difficult. And you don't want to piss anybody off speaking on it because, again, we can only speak to our own experiences. But I think what people need to do when listening to people speak about their personal experiences is to just take things with a grain of salt. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. You know, I, I'm only one person. I've, I'm only living one life. And that's why I like to bring people on this podcast like you to kind of open us up to other things. But people need to be, I think, gentler with each other and more oh, forgiving. Yeah. Um, but I do – I want to talk about boundaries. And I want to talk about parenting styles because, like, you're, you're walking into this family when there are parenting styles established – and uh-huh. as a new mom, that is something that I spent so much freaking time on, way too much, more than I should have, reading stupid books, online articles, conversing with people in forums, talking with friends in mom groups, like, oh, gentle parenting, attachment this, what, like, all this stuff, right? And then you have an idea of the kind of parent you want to be. But then you walk into this family, style is established. And you may be dealing with consequences, whether positive or negative, from a parenting style that you had no say in. And I, I want to ask, like, did the style that the kids were raised in, did it line up with something that you would have done or that you're doing with Reese? And how did you how did you come to terms with that? <laughs> your face, you know, <laughs> Jamie's just shaking her head. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is interesting. And I've been thinking about this a little bit more lately. So definitely, uh, not the way I would have, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like nutrition and freedom and rules and structure and routine and basically kind of everything, not in a bad way, but just in a very different way. So it was really, really hard. So it was interesting. We'd go in and I'd be like, okay, like, let's, these are the house rules. These are what we're going to do. And, you know, Darren and I would sit down and we would agree. And really he was just agreeing because he didn't want to sit down and have that conversation with me anymore. So he would agree and not follow through. And then the kids are like going back and forth and Mm -hmm. things are completely different. And I'm giving everyone shit all the time. And, uh, it it was not good. Like Mm -hmm. it was, it was really just like, not good. It's also when you come in, you don't have that like ease into it. Right. So you're like, and when I was in at children's aid, I did a lot of um, family support. So I would help people get structure and routine into their home, which by the way, was really weird that they hired me to do that when I had no children and no experience (laughs) parenting, but another thing, but you know, so it was, it was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where that's what we were fighting about all the time, like bedtime. Like I used to just, Darren would be like watching a movie with the kids and it'd be like past bedtime. And I would just come downstairs and I would just (laughs) give it to him. Right. Like you, the kids need to be going to bed importance of sleep structure and routine. Mm -hmm. We never get any alone time anymore. Like I wanted to hang out with him. And like, when I'm treating him like that, he didn't want to hang out with me at all. Right. So it got to the point where we're fighting about it a lot, but then I had to say, okay, is this worth the turmoil it's causing Mm -hmm. in my marriage? So that's my guiding factor now. So there's a lot of things 
that I don't agree with. And then I'll say, would you like my opinion on this? Sometimes it's a no. And sometimes it's a yes and I will share it. And then you're able to hold it in when it's a no, you're able to keep it in. I I had to get there. I would get, I was going to be divorced. Yeah. Right. We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have stayed married. Yeah. And the thing is kids stayed up a little later than I thought there's things they're allowed to do that, you know, I I wasn't on board with, but there's also things where I let them do and, and Darren doesn't. Right. Right. So we're, we're, we have different styles, but guess what? I don't think that it affected the type of person that they've become, right? Are they kind? Do they feel Mm -hmm. loved? Do they feel safe? You know, do you have a good relationship with them? Like that's what really matters. And I think sometimes we get so structured about things Mm -hmm. that we're, we lose sight of like what really matters, right? Absolutely. 20 minutes at bedtime or like whether they were like sleep trained or bottle fed or, you know, breast fed or like all the things like they're just going to, are they good humans? So it was hard though. Like we, some blow out fights about it. No, I, I I can imagine like, that's gotta be so tough. And I can imagine feeling also being in your position and tell me to shut up. I might be totally off base, but like it might feel helpless sometimes. Cause you're like, I want to help. I want to make a difference and I want to impact these kids in a positive way. And I think the best way is to do things like this. But then to not have it go that way, especially when you're taking on that maternal role, like you said, you were doing everything. So it's like I'm doing everything. The least I can do is listen to the rules, listen to how I, what I think is best for them. Because you do have their best interests at heart. Oh, 100%. And that's where a lot of stepmoms feel in over their head, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not, and I will challenge stepmoms in these moments. And this is what I needed to know back then too. Does this matter? Right. Cause you can get caught up. This is how I would do things. This is what I think is right. Does this matter? How do we figure out if it matters? You have to ask yourself like five, like tomorrow, does this matter five years from now? Will this mm-hmm. matter? And like asking yourself, like, is this actually that big of a deal? Yeah. And I'm a big like believer in not overthinking things. Like I think as parents, we get really caught up trying to overthink things Absolutely. and do things the right way. When again, I just come back to like, you know, are they good humans? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe they had too many Cheetos, um, but like, <laughs> you know, they would share their Cheetos with a friend on the playground. Okay, good. Right. Like just kind of just checking yourself. Like, what is this really about? Like, is this about me feeling like I have no control over my life? Yeah. And I'm just trying to find some control or does this actually matter? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, if too many Cheetos is the biggest problem in life, it's like, that's okay. Well, you know, yeah. we can deal there was, with Cheetos. <laughs> you know, my biggest stepmom lesson came from, the, you know, the Cosmo brownies. Yes. I, I, I have no shade on any mom who gives their kid that Cosmo brownie. That's totally cool. They are disgusting to me. Wait, I, those I just, are like the packaged like, ones. With like yeah, little I, candies on top. There's something just about the texture and the like the whole thing. It's just very <laughs> processed and very, and I definitely give the kid processed food. I'm just saying those brownies were not going in the kids' lunches on my watch. Right. So it was this big thing. Every time we would go to the grocery store, can we get the Cosmo brownies? Mom gets the Cosmo brownies. Dad goes to the grocery store with them. Dad gets the Cosmo brownies. I'm still like, no, these kids cannot have these Cosmo brownies. Why? <laughs> right? Like why? Like why? Yeah. You know, I just gave them the damn brownies and 
I couldn't care more about it than their parents did because mm-hmm. it was causing fights and it was over a freaking brownie. Yeah. Right. Like just checking yourself, like the, I'm still like kind of feel sick in my mouth right now because those brownies really gross <laughs> me out, but I had to just be like, no, but here's the thing with Reese, Reese will, Reese doesn't have the same situation. So I will sometimes say to her, no, you can't have that. And like, we'll go to a restaurant and if I don't want her to have pop, or I think she's had too much sugar or something, the all, everyone else will get pop and I'll say, no Reese, mm-hmm. no pop. And yeah. they just know everyone just knows like it's, yeah. and she's fine with it. And that's she's like, she yeah, knows, guys, though. there's too many sugar bugs in that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that framing, by the way, the sugar bugs. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, no, but it, 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 that makes sense. And if that's all she knows, then that is normal to her. It's normal for the kids then to your stepkids because if it's all they know of her existence, then it makes sense. And I think in so many aspects of life, and, you know, I'm trying to bring this into my parenting, my relationship, my friendships, everything, like my work, is just knowing when you, you just got to make compromises all the time and knowing when I need to – step back on my end and not push it. And like every day there's something, every day, whether like I said, work, relationship, parenting, where I need to be like, okay, do I take this time to say, oh, I don't like how this is going. Do I take this moment to, you know, say what I prefer to do? Like it's it's hard to navigate. It's so mm-hmm. difficult to navigate. Yeah. And the big thing for me there, if you were – nagging about, and this is more of a stepmom situation. So if you're nagging and saying about all the things you disagree on, you become kind of like background noise. It's like, blah, 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 right? Like they're not even hearing you. But for me now, because I'm very selective on what I say, Mm -hmm. if I will say, if I have a pretty hard opinion on something, Mm -hmm. it's now heard more. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm not constantly nagging at him. He's like, Oh, okay. Actually he's, he's more in the, a space to hear me. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm sitting here and I'm just like, Oh, okay. It's not worth the fight. You know, you know, not worth the turmoil in my marriage. Like let's all smile when like shit's hitting the fan. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. It's me saying, is this, is this worth it right mm-hmm. now? Like, is, is this, this is the hill I want to die on. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone had said that, um, on my podcast and I was like, yeah, that's a, like, is it the dishes? Like, is that that big of a deal or do I want to save it for something that really matters? And I'm like a hard no on, but they're going to hear your hard no's more if you're not having a hard no on everything that they yeah. do. No, I, I, I think that's so good. It's actually, it reminds me of swearing and my parents theory on swearing growing up. Cause they never swear. I swear like a sailor. I attribute it to working in the bar industry for so long before I went there, like through university and everything. But my parents were always like, no, we don't swear, right? And then when they would, if they did it once every five years, it was a big deal. It's because there was a situation, whether it was an amazing situation, a terrible situation, whether they were that angry where they could actually swear, Everybody stopped what they were doing and freaking listened because it meant something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be swearing. Like you said, it could be picking battles. But I think that that is so important and just being so intentional. And I think that's what it comes down to is just being intentional. And again, whether you're a step parent or not, whether you don't have kids, I think we all need to live more intentionally. Fuck, I like I definitely do. And I don't know a person who doesn't. 
And it's hard. Mm, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to think of that. And it's hard to choose what direction you want to go in, which person you want to be, what you want to cultivate within your marriage, your family, whatever. But it, it is it is so difficult. And I want to ask, like, as a, a parting question, do you have tips? What do you talk to people about when they come to you for advice, whether they're clients, friends, women you meet online through your blog, on easing the burden of being a step parent because like you said there's so many there's so many ways in which it can weigh you down whether it's expectations that you're placing on yourself whether it's what other people are thinking of you whether it is the spouse the ex-spouse or ex-partner people in their relationship whether it's your current spouse the kids and you know balancing your own life as well as your new family life what are some ways that step parents can ease that burden and not get lost. Yeah. I think, you know, the big thing is, is checking in with yourself. So I have so many resources. So I have a free guide. It's jamiescrimger.com forward slash stepmom audit. And I think that's such a really good place to start because audit your step family life, like what's working, what's not, you know, your relationship with your stepkids, your relationship with the ex, your relationship with your partner, like how are things feeling? Is your involvement helping or making matters worse? Is it impacting your ability to show up as your, as your best? Like, are you super codependent and doing everything for everyone? And you're totally drained. And like, you care more about everyone else's shit than they do, right? Like checking in with yourself, I think is the big thing because some stepmoms can be hardcore and disciplining. And that's what works for their family. Other stepmoms are completely out of it, right? Like there really is no one size fits all approach. So my resources are really about walking you through to be the expert on your own family, right? So you know, when it comes to setting boundaries, when it comes to disengaging and your relationships. So like how to communicate with your partner about your step family stress, how to, you know, take care of yourself, all of that kind of stuff, I think is really important, but it's personal, right? So fig- like tapping into yourself and really asking yourself those hard questions so that you know, what's going to work for you, because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not the same as a stepmom down the street, And the more you do that, the more confident you're going to become. So like right now, I, I am very confident in the way that I show up as a stepmom that like, it's, it's just a non-issue for me. I am not insecure about it at all. I'm not trying to be perfect. I don't care about the shoes around the house anymore. Like I'm just, you know, I just have a whole other perspective, but I've done a lot of work to get here. Mm -hmm. So I really show stepmoms exactly what I've done and what I've, you know, coached, you know, there's hundreds of other stepmoms who I've worked with to, to get to the same place, because you got to be the expert on your own life. You can't be, you can't be Googling exactly what to do or else you're, you're gonna, it's not going to feel right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that's so good. And I like that you offer resources too. So Jamie, where can listeners go to check out your resources, listen to your podcast, check you out on socials? Yeah. So I am uh, Jamie Scrimger. You can spell it for everyone in the um, show notes because we were just l- laughing before we went on live. My maiden name was Darling. So I, you wouldn't Beautiful have had to name. spell that. It would have been jamiedarling.com, <laughs> but now I got, I loved, I loved him so much that I took on Scrimger. So it's a bit of a tricky last name, but jamiescrimger.com. I have the podcast over there. So the kick-ass stepmom podcast, and there are lots of resources. I have a membership and workshops and a course and just all the things. If you're just looking for, if you just want to feel like someone gets it and like, you're not alone and yeah, 
you know, and I also just released a, if you want the top tips, I just released an ebook, 120 ways to be a kick-ass stepmom. So Congrats. all of my top tips are in the ebook. Um, so that's at jamiescrimger.com forward slash ebook. Hell yeah. Jamie, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. I always yeah, get a little bit nervous awesome. in these situations because I just kind of ask what comes to my head. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm crossing a line, but you mm. are so wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. This is awesome. Absolutely. Well, take care. It was so nice meeting you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was Jamie, stepmom extraordinaire. And now we have an extraordinary segment. This is the segment where we take listener questions. You take listener questions, Alex. You answer them. And I kind of just sit here in awe of all the work you did to <laughs> help the people. Uh, lately, the questions have just been fun and personal, and I dig it. And some research ones, I think it's a great balance. I got to say, Shane, this week we actually had so many questions. How many are we talking here? Like over 20? Double what we usually get. Oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe triple. Jeez. I know. So closer to uh, 200. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay. Uh, not all of them are good questions. The first one is adopt me. Uh, no, I think this is the guy that we've done TikTok lives with a few times, Brady. He's oh, always there Brady. just pounding beers on TikTok. He's a like, young kid. He's like 23. He's trying to propose to some girlfriend, but no room, okay. Brady. Maybe when we start making money. Um, The first real question. Have you ever said I love you and not have it said back? I have not. Like. Uh, I'm a big I love you guy. I'm also quick to say it, and I can say it after a few drinks. <laughs> so I would assume so. Yeah. Yo, you you think for sure? Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Someone is <laughs> not unrequited. I love you. Are part of my life yet? Uh, next question. Uh, well, I've had I have about. Four questions, uh, the same, because They're when I made- all about love, I no, love you. No, 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 no. Uh, when I did the ask for the questions, I was wearing this very specific necklace, and I had so many people ask about the necklace. So it is from Jenny Bird, which is a Canadian company. They're out of Toronto. The woman who designs the jewelry, her name is Jenny Bird, and it is specifically the gold Foley necklace, F-O-L-I. Okay. It is so pretty. I think they sell it at Indigo, too, so you can check there or online. Next. Will Smith is banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Thoughts? Well, the thing is, he can still win an Oscar, right? Can he? Yeah, he can still win. I just thought win. he wasn't being included. No, he can still win. He just doesn't have to show up to the award show, which takes the pressure off him from being made fun of. Because yeah. really, if you're Will Smith, would you want to be at the next three award shows? You're yeah. going to be made fun of for that. There's going to be so many jokes about the slap. It's probably a good decompression period to be away potentially win an mm -hmm. oscar give a speech via zoom or something i don't know and you probably only want to be at the after parties anyway he which he's not go to banned from yeah so really it's just a slap on the wrist it's nothing and you get more attention for not being there mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty ideal so he's yeah that's a slap on the wrist so what what would be this Chris, Chris Rock slaps him on the wrist? <laughs> what would be the step up punishment wise that actually might have an effect on Will that he couldn't be nominated? Oh, you take his Oscar away. Oh right. Whoa! Check what? the audio levels on that. <laughs> Sorry, of course. 
Who would have won it had he not won it? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that they take it away and give it to somebody else. You wouldn't want to win it. They have Oscar. to give it to no, the no. You place? just take it away. You strip them of the award. Well, then nobody gets it. Of course. You, you don't want to be second place in the Oscars and have an asterisk. I do, if it gets me an Oscar. You do, because you weren't in any movies. But <laughs> if you were actually in it, you would have the integrity not Okay, to. get out of here. You don't think that the, whatever, five guys, seven guys that are nominated don't want to know where they rank? Of course they want to know where they rank. The second place guy wants to know that he's second place. I'm not saying they don't want to know where they rank, because that's a fascinating thing. But you don't want to win. You, you'd probably like to know your second, and then... You get the attention, like the Ted Danson thing on Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he anonymously uh, donated money, right. and then he got credit <laughs> for everyone knowing he did it anonymously. You'd want to have them offer you the the statue, mm-hmm. and then you turn it down. But you also know you were in second. That'd be a cool point, yeah. yeah. And then just keep the letter where they offer that and like frame yeah, it. Yeah, frame that, and then that's your thing. You put it in your washroom. And How about this for punishment? Yeah. Will Smith. This is this if, in case he's listening. This is for Will. You're gonna say he gets slapped. No. Okay. What? Your movie was overrated, and I'm leaving it at that. King Richard was overrated. It should have been about the girls. It, it they should. <clears throat> the wife was amazing. Will was uh, like kind of annoying in that movie. And we before this whole Oscar fiasco, we were already saying that on the pod. Yeah. Next question. Do you think it's better to be friends before you become lovers? I don't. I don't Why? want, I don't know. Like you're my friend, but I want to want you before I want to be your friend. And I will say I'm I'm your best friend. Right? I like the quick, I don't know if I like this, but part of my personality is the quick escalation. Mm-hmm. And that's the way things work for me. I need to be at a 10 and I need to have my heart beating out of my chest and I need to like the person that much. This whole slow build thing, I'm sure it works for some people. I just don't understand it because it doesn't work for me. Yeah. I am, maybe I'm just like more intuitive than anyone else, but (laughs) I just know, you know, when I have that connection, I know, and it's a 10 out of 10 and that's what I need. Mm -hmm. No, I'm very much like you in that regard. I know earlier we were talking about ways that we were different, ways that we're the same. We're very much the same in that regard. But I was looking online because I can obviously only speak from my opinion and i thought you were going to answer the way you did and online there's a huge case for being friends before lovers and that's because once the essentially it, it all boils down to once the initial infatuation you like to call what limerence once that i don't like to call it that's a term. that's what it's called right yeah. once that wears off then you still have that connection, that foundation, those memories. You know each other's quirks. You know kind of what to expect. And then, you know, if you're in it for the long haul, if you want to have kids, then you're not like going to be bored or not know what to do together once the kids are out of the house kind of thing. But again, you know, and I can see how that works so well for some people. But I'm with Shane in that I like that instant, ooh, got to have it. And then we are best friends. Like you and I became best friends immediately. Yeah. But I've definitely had it where the limerous or whatever it's called wears off and you just hate the person. Yeah. So it can burn you because you can be blinded by ass. <laughs> As Owen Wilson once said in a movie. I forget which one it was, but he was a Starsky and Hutch. Do you still feel uh, limerency? I definitely still feel blinded by ass. <laughs> <laughs> My ass. 
Yeah, well, yeah, clarify. amongst just, others. I, I can clarify. pick yours out in the crowd, yes. Mm, but okay. there's a couple blinding ones that I, no, I'm ju- just, yeah, next question. <laughs> All right. How do you help identify red flags in a new relationship? You have to let the people, oh, I, I, the person saying them themselves? Yeah, you're like, oh. no, how does a person, like if a person's going into dating, how do you, does anybody identify red flags? You you can't do it. You're just so in love. That's what happens with me. I'm just so in love. I can't I can't identify them. I don't know. I'm bad at this. I'm too in love too quick. You see, if you like somebody, I mean, who knows what one person's red flag might be a green light for another person. And I think a huge part of this is knowing your own boundaries and knowing your own non-negotiables and what you're willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with because again it's going to be so different for everybody but I was looking this up because that's what I kind of came out with like just knowing your own non-negotiables but on the internet the biggest ones the most common ones that people were talking about were when they talk about past relationships and they never take any of the blame so it's like their entire dating history a relationship history and, you know, all these soured relationships, breakups, whatever. And the blame was always on the other person. Oh, that girl was crazy. She was too needy. That guy was crazy. He had a bad temper. He was never, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? Because I think that's actually a great signifier. Yeah, I think that's a red flag. But then again, some people attract a certain type of person. So... You know, I, I know my mom, when she divorced my dad and she was in relationships, it was always the same type of person. And I I honestly think my mom wasn't at fault m- more than just having bad, poor taste. And I think some people have a type and it might be a bad boy type or a woman who is might be a, a man might be shallow and just go mm-hmm. for looks anyone could be shallow and go for that but that's not always the best type of person so sometimes it's it's unlikely it's seemingly but people do have a type that's unappealing and then you say oh my ex-girlfriend's crazy sometimes they are Mm -hmm. and or my all my boyfriends have been assholes sometimes they are i don't know if that's true but i definitely think it's a positive sign Mm -hmm. if someone can admit that oh i was in the wrong in my previous relationships so it's one of those things where it's really good sign if they do, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't discount them, especially if you're in your early 20s and you've only had two relationships. Yeah, good point. Maybe you just got unlucky. Mm-hmm. You pick that high school quarterback because he's cute. Boom, that's the first one. He's an asshole. Then your college one, you kind of go for the same type thinking it'll be better. He ends up being an asshole. Then you say, oh, my last two boyfriends were asshole. I wouldn't be like, this woman is crazy. You know what I mean? Like she's she can't admit fault. So what do you say then? Like, just say you and I are getting newly into a relationship and I'm telling you about my past relationships. And I'm like, the majority of guys I dated are gay because that that happened. It wasn't the majority. Not you, the majority, but a few, several. Yeah. Do, I didn't think that's not a negative or positive. No, no, it's not. But it's just like, it's a weird way to get out of a relationship. So it's like, is she lying? Are there excuses? Did she do something wrong? And and there's, she's using this as an out. <laughs> is she turning men gay? <laughs> what did she do wrong? No, I, I think you had a, a streak of bad luck. But what was positive in us 
meeting and talking mm-hmm. was you were very open that you were a, a terrible girlfriend mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And I found that honest and refreshing. Mind you, you might have only felt comfortable to share that because I admitted the same about myself. Mm-hmm. And if I hadn't, maybe you'd feel like, oh, that would scare me off. Uh, but yeah, I, I looked at it as a positive. So that's why I think this red flag advice is is good in the sense that if someone does admit it it's a good sign i like that we uh early on like second date really bonded over how uh crappy we were in prior relationships well i just didn't want to be a liar and i wanted everything on the table right Mm. up front no i I think i think it's such a good way to go because and that's the thing we were bad in the same ways so we could relate a lot and understand a lot and i Mm -hmm. I thought that was really good which i really did resent when We'd be out or something, and then someone would come up to me and while I'm with you, and they'd be like, yo, he's bad or something. And I would think, oh, I'm getting pissed on here or shit on. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, shit on sounds better. Uh, And and, and Alex is the same way. Yeah. And I was like, that's so rude and uh, sexist in a way that, oh, of course, the guy's the big asshole when you seem like you'd be much nicer than me, but really, we were the same person. Yeah. No, I know. Um, And the other, the last red flag major identifier that I kept seeing was if they're, you know, lying early on, they have an unwillingness to compromise. And if they they put you down, they they might do this subtly in the beginning. um, But that is something good to keep your eye open for. And like Shane said, it can be tough when you're kind of blinded by love in that early phase. But I have someone's neg theorying you and it's kind of fun. Like you dirty little turd. It's like, (laughs) ha ha. But then if you're married and have children, it's like, you dirty turd. Yeah. It's it's a red flag. It's a little late to identify it then, but it's It's never too late to leave. It's never too late to leave. You're right. That's a good point, Shane. Uh, Next question. Are you and Shane playing Wordle? Uh, I am every day. Most, I'd say, I'd say five days out of seven I am. I was into it in the beginning, but it's, it's just, it's not fun enough. I need, I need to be entertained more. Once I got used to that game, I I used to think, because people used to post their streaks and I have a friend and he would be like, 76 days haven't. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't gotten like not gotten the word. It's impossible not to get the word. <laughs> I am not some big wordsmith, but once I realized that everyone on planet Earth can get the word, it took the competitive juice out of it for me. I'm very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I I'm not even like exaggerating. I could get it on 3 every time, but it would take me an hour. And I just don't want to, I'm so competitive, I can't get a four and be happy. I have to get a three, but I know it's going to take me an hour to get a three. Yeah, but Shane, sometimes it's just a lucky guess. Like, what if the word is like gloat or float? And then it's like, you can't get it on three because you're like, okay, I got it. It's gloat. And then it's like, ah, and then you go to the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when I say every time, I mean 90% of the time. If you get in a gloat float situation, you're fucked. But, (laughs) (laughs) but But I mean- I'm too competitive to just be average at it. Mm-hmm. So, and the game is the reason it's popular is because everyone feels smart playing it, but it's a game for people with average intelligence. Look, I'm just doing speed rounds every morning now. I do it before I even go into school. I do it before I go to work when I'm sitting in my car and I try to do it within a couple minutes if I have the time. And it feels good. And then it's just like, you know what I like it for? It's a brain wake up. And that's why I like doing it first thing in the morning. It wakes up my brain, kind of 
energizes me in that way for the day. I'm only motivated by being the best. <laughs> I just need to be the best or I'm just, I'm over it. DVH got it in one guest today. Yeah, and I hate him for it. <laughs> but today the word was royal. Okay. So, and I, I know that's the starter word for a lot of people, but next question. How have you dealt with breakups with previous partners? It's like, were you a good breaker upper? Were you good in the recovery or were you bad at that stuff? And I'll start, will, will you think of something? My very first boyfriend, like official boyfriend, uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even really want to date him past a certain point. There was like one time, like three weeks in where we were eating pasta and he got pasta sauce all over his face and wasn't wiping it off. And I was just so turned off at that point. I was like, I got to break up with him, but he's so nice. And I have so much, we're buddies. I couldn't break up with him. And we ended up dating for two and a half years. But when I did break up with him, even though I was not a great girlfriend, even though I had, you know, I didn't see a future with him. He was a beautiful musician, really beautiful musician. He had a great voice. He was great at guitar, great drummer. And he really, he was a huge Beatles fan. So I'd have favorites that I'd request from him all the time. And he'd always play them for me. And like for the next year, I would like cry myself to sleep at night listening to the Beatles, even though I wanted nothing to do with this guy. I was like so sad every night as I was going to bed. And I don't know if it's like that teenage you know, not angst, mm -hmm. but like love angst. I don't know what it was, but it was uh, hilarious. And that is me when I don't like somebody. I have a hard time. Yeah. No, I'm emotional too. And I'm, I have the personality type where I'm always the last to be up at a sleepover. <laughs> so I think people with that type of personality never want something to end. And mm -hmm. they're, they're attached to a good time or just anything like even a bad time I get attached to just because I've lived with it for so long. So when a, even a bad relationship ends, I, I'll rem, I'll look at it with a bit of a glow and I'll be sad. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good to be broken up with. I'm not good to break up with. I get I don't get angry if I'm broken up with. I just get really sad. Mm -hmm. The one, the only time I was like okay initially after a breakup was because I was a little older. I was in my twenties, like twenty three. And I just learned that if you're breaking up with somebody and it's going to be hard, you got to schedule. And I've said this on the pod. You got to schedule a date same day or the next day. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I, I'm i on Tinder while they're giving me the speech that they want to break up with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm already, you know, that I need that superficial ego thing yeah, to same. power me through it. Same. And it honestly, like the last breakup I had before Shane and I met, that's what I did. And I was fine. It was like the easiest breakup and my longest relationship to that point. Mm -hmm. And it, I was so fine. It yeah. worked like a charm. So if you want to get over something quickly. Get 100 just, matches on Tinder and just boom. I, fill I that don't calendar. Even, don't even just, just message somebody that you knew in high school that's still single for whatever reason. Just so it's easy and go for it, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's different for women than men. You think? Well, I wasn't cool in high school. <laughs> it's easier for cool women who are no, cool. No, but girls still liked you. No, they didn't. Yeah, they did. Oh, they did? <laughs> well, I guess you're thinking... I they did later. Yeah, when I was like 19. Oh. But I shouldn't have been in high school. <laughs> I, I was the bad boy. When I say bad, I mean bad at school and academics. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, next question. How many should we do? How many more? Do- Two? Two more questions. Sure. And then we'll save the rest for uh, next podcast. Cool. These all seem very like singular, singular voice from the same person. No. They're all okay. No. I feel like zero internet research went into these. Uh, two of them so far that we've done, Shane. Uh, I talked about research. Okay. okay. How did you deal with getting over your miscarriage? I've had one recently and I am super sad. It is super sad. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think that you want to run away from that sadness necessarily. I think for me, what helped was embracing it and just talking about it. Like I talked about it to Shane a lot. I had a platform luckily, which was this podcast and my Instagram account. And I would talk about it frequently. And that was so cathartic and it was such a release. And then through doing that, I just, you know, got to know more people in my life that I didn't know had gone through miscarriages and experienced the same thing. And then they were coming out and saying, hey, Alex, like I've been through that. I know how it feels. And just kind of swapping stories with them and venting and saying the same thing over and over again. You know, I'd say the same thing to 10 different people in a week and that in itself felt so good and it's not necessarily something that you want to get over because you're all you know you're you might keep that with you that might be the type of person you are but it does help you move on to the next step and say okay I'm good to try again and then Shane and I tried again pretty soon after and we were so lucky that I, I got pregnant with Betty at that point so for us it was you know again like blessed to have such a short period where we couldn't get pregnant and you went against doctor's advice but you just went with your gut instead and your gut told you that you could mentally handle it yeah and and we were also ready for the possibility of if you did get pregnant again and you went through another miscarriage we just both agreed that we would adopt after that yeah, because I, I was pretty much done with pregnancy. Pregnancy is super hard on my body. I, I don't mesh well with it. So even talking about the idea of adoption was super cathartic. And I, I signed yeah. up for all the adoption sites in Canada too. I still get emails from them sometimes. But that felt so good to know that, hey, you know what? We're not going to go the IVF route. We're not going to go any other route. We're going to go adoption. And and that having kind of a a plan just felt good. But follow Josiah and Co. She has had multiple miscarriages. She's been on this podcast before, so you can even look for her interview uh, in our history where she talks about that. But her account, too, she has a great community for um, people who have experienced grief and loss and miscarriage with, with children. She's amazing. But final question, and it kind of goes with the theme of the rest of the episode. What is your favorite thing about each member of your family? Like, like, no, like immediate, immediate, mm-hmm. not our house. parents in this house. Yeah. Oh, Lucy is very funny and I don't know. She always makes me feel good. I'm so proud of her. Betty is very, um, I love Betty's smile. Betty's <laughs> young, right? So there's not like a lot of times with her, <laughs> but yeah, her disposition's very nice and her smile. I really love her smile. She's got a special look to her uh alex same you're like a combination of lucy and betty and me okay what i think yeah just i think for me what i like about myself is the way i was able 
to turn a pandemic into an opportunity. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you should be. I don't think we take enough pride in ourselves. Um, I think for Lucy, yeah, it's her creativity. But in everything, like she's just so aware and wants to use every little thing that she learns in every way. And half the time the ways are wrong, but then they're right. And it's just like awesome to see her brain working. It's so much fun. It brings me joy 30 times a day. And she's so positive too. Yes. Like she has a thing too where we go to a supermarket and a lot of kids, I see them, they freak out if they can't get something. And she's just so future-minded. She's like, I want that for my birthday later. That I want later. Like, get that for me for Christmas. Get that. That's for Easter. She never freaks out that she can't get it now. And she never remembers that she ever wanted it. And some kids I've seen, they get like, that person hates me or something. Lucy, when I've seen kids who actually do hate her. And there's bad park moments we've had where mm -hmm. people are like, don't touch me. And then we'll go home and I'll try to talk or like to make her feel better but like it's okay some kids are like that she's like no they loved me <laughs> everyone loves me yeah. and that inspires me because she's just in the face of anything she assumes love she's and it's, so confident she'll, she might you know grow up and get out of that but right now it's so funny and inspiring in a way to be that toxically optimistic and i hope she doesn't i hope she always has a part of that because it's amazing it's mm -hmm. amazing and i wish i had you know more of that uh and for betty for me you know shane you said her disposition like betty doesn't have a lot of language like she's like way behind where lucy was at this age uh for speaking she doesn't have that many words but she knows a little bit of sign language that yes. her known has been Just teaching funny. her yeah so it's really cute because and she lucy knows the sign language too because yes I never know what Betty's trying to say, but she'll do these weird signs. And then Lucy will be like, that means more milk. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> it's really cute. And um, so Betty has her own way of communicating through facial expressions, through pointing, through sign language, and then through, you know, the small vocabulary that she has. But she's really good at expressing herself through those things. And it's like, it's so sweet. She's just so loving and all she wants is to be near people and to be loved and just to feel like happiness. It's really adorable. Um, and Shane, my favorite thing about you is just your tenacity for whatever it is we're doing. If it is doing, you know, a move, a marathon of the ultimatum, which is what we're doing right now, I mean, just getting so into it. If it is, you know, doing this podcast and getting awesome guests, if it is, getting on the peloton every day and like motivating each other you are so good at being the leader and being so motivating and so fun and you bring everything from like what well, could be blah to just a very fun and competitive and hilarious time so it's awesome and then me i like i i think i like my ability to love everybody Mm -hmm. And to just, I think, be able to really be in the moment when I want to with, with you guys and with certain family members and have moments every day that are like that with each person. Did we talk about how you have that love disease today? No, we'll talk about the next podcast. Okay. 
Sorry. Love yeah, that's a good cliffhanger. It sounds like an STI. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, folks. But the rest of the questions we will answer on the next podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted. I want more of this. I want every week to be shocked by how many questions we get. The ones we didn't use will carry over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we will get to them. So keep listening. But folks, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We had a really nice time. Give us a rating. Give us a five star. Give us a comment. We like to hear from you officially on Apple. And obviously, it also helps us out. But folks, have a great rest of your day, rest of your night. And thank you so much for listening to this, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 126.